it's a journey of just self-discovery, right? I mean, this is just learning where your strengths or weaknesses are. Yeah, it really is. When we're younger, we have these ideas and these plans in our heads and we think, oh, that's what it's going to be like. And I strived for certain things and I have learned so much along the way. And I definitely am a stronger person because of it. But the road doesn't always just go straight (laughs) and it doesn't go up. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, Andre, show from Elibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast. Your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is our first episode of the new year that has an interview. And who do we have on today? Well, we have Anne-Marie Green, and we're excited to have her on because she's actually someone who's taken Tusney's Lash Retention course back in 2022. And we're going to do a real quick talk about that, but really it's not what the main point of this conversation. Really, Anne-Marie has been around our industry for a while and has experienced the wonderful joy of salon ownership. And she's going to share all about that. She, uh, first, also, she's going to share how she didn't really like lashes when she first got into it and why she kept going. And then she's going to talk about how she really took a couple of swings at owning a salon and the different ways she went about it and how it really was a, we'll say, a season of learning what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And we have a lot of takeaways from it. We also talk about Groupon and how that really helped her when she first got started with her business and how we still think it can be an amazing tool for you today if you are having struggles with finding clients. So we have a lot of good details, a lot of good nuggets for you to take away from this. And if you're thinking about being a salon owner, or are currently a salon owner, I think you're getting a lot from this episode. So, anyway, we're really excited about that. Before we get to any of you, let's get into announcements. All right, guys, we are in the new year, and there's a lot going on, but we do not have it all yet worked out. So, what do we have? I have nothing for you. That's that's where we are. Mainly, actually, I'll say this. We do have the salon or, or sponsor opportunities for LashCon coming up. We're going to be right now, we're reaching out to our current people who were part of us last year. And then we're going to open the door soon towards the middle to end of the month to new sponsors. So if you want to be a sponsor, please reach out to us at paul at lashcast.com. Otherwise, um, yeah, you'll probably be too late if you don't jump on right away because I expect we're going to fill up our spots. Even though we have more more spaces than we did last year, I think we're going to be around 100 to 110 spaces. It's still... The amount of people reaching out, it's been overwhelming. I will have over 400 people on our list at this point. So if you want to get on, it's going to be a first come, first serve. So don't wait. Don't delay. 
reach out now, and when we send out those emails, we'll give you a little heads up when we're going to, and you'll be set. Outside that, we do have Tuscany's last retention course. That's going to be, we're going to announce those dates soon. We also have some new classes and another opportunities that we're going to be partnering with some other companies, and we'd love to announce those, but we can't yet because we haven't worked out the details. So as soon as we do, be standing by for that. And as we remember, during, we will be back at IBS in June for our party with Last Boss Radio. That, those details will come out probably sometime in the spring, late spring. And, of course, LashCon tickets will be going to sale in March, probably most likely mid to late March. And when we have more details on that, we will give that to you. But otherwise, that's all we have for announcements. Not so bad. All right. So anyhow, let's now get down or let's get down. Let's get down. Let's go to our interview where we sit down with Anne-Marie and really talk about her journey in the lash industry as well as being a salon owner. Hey guys, Paul here in the Lashcast Studios. Excited to have Amory Green from Prestige Lash Studios with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for asking me to be on your show. I'm super excited. I've just loved you guys ever since the first training class I took with you back in May. Yeah, back in May. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to brag on you a little bit because I'm, I'm super excited to have you um, and just to kind of pick your brain and introduce you to the other audience just because you've been a student of mine and getting to know you and following your progress has been really fun. So Thank welcome. You. And she's been really good at updating you with photos and, and feedback. Because one of the things that not all of our students do, which we always ask for them to do, is share feedback. Let us know how your growth, how's your technique, how's the results working for you. And you've been one of our A students with that. You've just been very good awesome. at giving touch feedback and input, which makes her day. So she's always happy with that. Good. <laughs> how is your retention, by the way? I'm going to ask you. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really good. I've had quite a few longtime clients who are pushing out their lash appointments. Love it. Whether it's a week or a half a week or, you know, whatever. My girlfriend, actually, we're going on, I think it's five plus weeks now. That is awesome. That is so great. Now compare that to when you first came to the class. You're like two weeks, right? Yeah. I was struggling really hard before that class with even at the two-week mark, it looked like my four-week mark now. So I am really excited about that. That is great. Well, yeah. that's super cool, and I guess it was unintended little promo for Tesla's class, but we, we will uh, get into now what I was hoping to get into really is your lash journey, and that's something that we love to meet lash artists and hear how they got to where they are today. So what we thought we'd start with first is maybe a little bit about your background, maybe how you got into the beauty industry, why you chose lashes and not nails or whatever else there are how options are out there. You, how yeah. you've been in it, like yeah. your story. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I used to be in the mortgage industry. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So completely switched gears back in 2008 when the housing market was crashing and mortgage companies were closing down and just the whole crash. So I was already getting burned out in that industry anyways. And I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do because my heart just wasn't in it anymore. And I have to be, I have to feel it. I have to be passionate about something in order to connect with a job or a career. 
and help other people. So I moved back home to Indianapolis and moved into my dad's house. And I was 36, 37 at the time, Mm -hmm. thinking that my life was half over because I'm back at home and living with my dad. (laughs) So I bartended for a little bit, waited tables, and then I was like, you know, I think I want to get into the beauty industry. That sounds really fun. So I went to aesthetic school and really, really liked waxing. That was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. I think because you get that instant gratification and I liked helping people feel better about themselves. So after aesthetic school, I worked for the one and only waxing salon here in town. (laughs) So I did waxing all day long. Now body waxing, facial waxing, all the waxing. It was like all full body waxing. I learned it all male and female, both. I did all of it. So I did that for about two to two and a half years. But, you know, I always knew that I wanted to have my own business somehow. I just didn't know how I wanted. I didn't know how that looked or how to do that or anything. So after I quit there, they had a non-compete clause, whatever. So I went back to the mortgage industry for a year and did mortgages and and got really burned out on that again, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> Reminded yourself um, why you didn't want to stay in that industry, huh? This is like, why I quit. <laughs> now I remember. <laughs> so after I quit that job, I had nothing else lined up. All I knew was I wanted to go into business for myself, but I didn't know how to do that. But I was so tired from doing mortgages that I sat on my couch for two weeks straight and watched daytime shows in my sweats (laughs) (laughs) with my dog. (laughs) Oh, Anne-Marie, we have all been there. (laughs) I know. So I did a little bit of research online about starting a business and all this stuff. And then I would go get my hair cut and I would talk to my hairstylist who was a business owner. And she's like, don't worry about all that stuff. Just make some notes. You don't have to be so formal about it. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. You're so, talking about like um, a business plan and all that stuff, right? Right. So yeah. wait, let me ask about that. Because this is the big thing I hear or I see all the time people post online. They're like, when you want to start your business, you need to have a business plan, which seems so insanely difficult. Like you I have remember to do market 20, research. You have to do, you know, I, investigative and reporting. Because I, yeah. I remember 20 some years ago, I want, I started a record label with some friends while I was working in the film industry. And I always felt like a fraud because we never made a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> and so for yeah. you, was that holding you back? Was that business plan concept or idea, something you felt like you had to get done before you could be official or something? Yes, I felt like I wasn't doing it right if I didn't have full-blown business plan and a binder with the full outline and all the Mm -hmm. I's dotted, T's crossed kind of thing. And really, all it was was the way she explained it to me, you know, was just what's your heart calling you to do and do that and create it from that Mm -hmm. aspect. Mm -hmm. So my heart wanted to help people feel better about themselves. And that's why I went to aesthetic school initially. Mm-hmm. I just started writing down what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Because <laughs> that's important to know. Yeah. And I'm not a big facial person. Um, we had to do facials in school. I had to do facials at the place I worked. And um maybe one in a hundred I liked and I, the rest of the time I just didn't like it. So, um, 
So I decided that I was just going to do waxing and just offer some facials on the side. Mm -hmm. And so I rented out a studio in on Northwest side of Indy. And it was in a place similar to like a Sola or Salon Lofts, but it, it was a different name back then. It was privately owned. And she had 20 some suites in there. And so I rented out a suite back in the, the um, aesthetics area. And so um, I had no clients, <laughs> none whatsoever. <laughs> and here I am paying over $200 a month, you know, exactly. in rent. Yeah. I'm like, well, I got to pay rent. So I know I did have savings from doing mortgages. So that was good. Um, but I had a whole entire area with 20 some suites in it of hairstylists and one nail person to talk to and share with them what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I went around and got to know all of the people in there and offered them a free service. Good for you. Then I did Groupon. Now, this was back in 2011 when Groupon was like the cool thing to do. And everybody yeah. was like, are you doing Groupon? You have to get on Groupon. And yes. so I'm like, what is Groupon? <laughs> like, <laughs> I had no idea what that was. So I researched that. And then I did actually a couple of them in the very beginning. And I just knew like, okay, well, if I don't have to write a check and do this whole big marketing plan, and I can just go through this particular company and service and they do the marketing for me. And then people buy my coupon, my Groupon, and then they come to me. Well, hey, that's easy. I can mm -hmm. do that. You know, yeah, yeah I'm going to get paid less, but I don't have to shell out any money. So yeah. there's no upside. Um, that's the fee getting the pay less. Yeah, absolutely. So I still have, I think it's four or five clients today, 10 yeah. years later that are still with me after doing that group on. Mm. And I'd read the books and all the things like Nordstrom and how they do their customer service and things like that. You know, I rolled the red carpet out for everybody and I wanted to make it the best experience possible for them so that they would come back. <laughs> what you do with Groupon people, because we were big fans of Groupon back in those days. And we, everyone's like, yeah. don't do it. And those people are like, cheap. They'll che never come back. They're always looking for a bargain. Yeah. We're like, I know. No. Yeah. If you take good care of them, they will stick with you and you're living proof of that. Because they're used to being treated poorly. That's the truth. I remember reading reviews where people would buy Groupons and then they'd say, I only take Groupon clients on Monday nights at 6 and so they'd sell a hundred Groupons and then they have all these people going, well, I got one spot a week I can book. So they would take them six months to redeem their Groupon. Of course they were pissed by the end and didn't want to of come back. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember Groupon asking me, now, are there dates and times that you want to limit your mm -hmm. schedule for this? And I said, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I do that? Yeah. I just thought that was really odd. And I just wanted clients. I wanted people to come in. I wanted to talk to people and get to know them and help them. Right. When you're new, it's a great way to kind of build up a skill because Groupon also, their expectation is as high, right? They're not expecting to be blown away by you. But if right. you come in and you're like on top of it, great customer service, and you're at least decent at this craft, if you're still new at it, they're going to be really forgiving because they bought yeah. a Groupon. They know. They're not buying 
from you know some high-end store at this point. They bought Groupon. So the expectation is right. a little lower, and I think there's a better chance for connection and for longevity. Every new team member back in those days, we always ran a Groupon for the new team member, and they would be slam booked within a month. Like their books oh, yeah. would be good. And yeah. we kept probably 60%, 70% of those clients that came in became regular clients. And so we, we just kept on every time we had a new client. All right, run a Groupon or a new team member, run a Groupon. They're fully booked. And then three months later, hire someone else, run another Groupon. And it was really a nice way to get people up and going quickly. And I still believe today Groupon has lost a lot of its luster. I still think it could be a technique that people use. I recently heard someone say that you've used Groupon a lot like that. And it's worked really well for them. I always suggest it for new people that I am trying to help out or mentoring or something. I still think it's a good tool. Mm -hmm. It's just like also what you did with, you know, all the hairdressers going around, introducing yourself, giving them a free service because you're giving them the free service, but it's a way that they can try you out. And they will refer, if you did well and they like you, they'll refer clients to you then at that point, I'm sure. Right. So then I had my business cards, my menus and all of their studios. Mm, Perfect. Like That's a lot. That's a lot. That's 20, 20 booths. That's a lot of referral potential, I guess. So yeah. And so doing that now, mind you, I started out as well, my business name was initially called the waxing spot. But in so doing as going around and talking to the hairstylists, that was the early times of people kind of starting to hear about lash extensions. Mm-hmm. And I knew nothing about them. I kind of knew there was something out there, but I didn't really know anything about it. And so people were asking me, oh, do you do eyelashes? And I was like, well, I learned how to do those clusters in school, (laughs) but they don't stay on very well. So I prefer to not offer that because I don't think I'm good at it. And they're like, no, these lash extensions that last a while. And I was like, well, I can look into it. I'll let you know. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the owner of the salon suites where I rented, she said, oh, well, I have this beauty catalog. If you want to look through there and see if they offer some products or whatever, you know, try it out. And I was like, okay. So I bought this starter kit that came with the CD-ROM that you put in your... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those, yes. And so oh, I learned how to do it a little bit by watching that. And then I had friends come in. And I'll never forget my very first friend that came in and let me do this to her. I was putting the eyelash on upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like, this doesn't look right. You're like, something's not right here. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Very blunt on the end. I love it. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't think that's right. Then I started flipping around. I'm like, oh, okay, that looks better. That's hilarious. But, you know, it take me like over three hours to get like 20 lashes on each eye, you know? (laughs) No, I totally remember those days. I remember my first time like doing lashes. Like, of course, you put the longest one on. That's just what you think. And then I remember letting people out of the salon and I didn't check for stickies and it's just like oh my gosh those people I feel so bad for those first people we We all did (laughs) when you start you're bad I mean it's just part of it right but you keep going and then you become good (laughs) yeah and plus the the products that we had to use back then were just not what we have now. Like Stone Age <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. cement. Yeah. We had the little tubs of lashes and you put them out on a little pad. And then you had, first you had to learn how to pick it up with your tweezers. Mm-hmm. So then it was straight because you're not supposed to touch it mm-hmm. and then dip it in your glue. And so then it was, it was like this whole big thing, you know. And then you'd So breathe. when I trained people... 
And yeah. then all the lashes would go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, there goes $25 on the floor. Okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so I just hated it at first, honestly. To be mm. perfectly honest, I did not like doing lashes. Because you didn't really feel skilled at it or because you didn't like the actual work itself? I did not feel skilled at it. Mm-hmm. I did not know what I was doing. And it took too long. Mm-hmm. And I was used to a waxing service yeah, taking 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops, unless it's like a full body. Of course, that's going to take longer. But so then I thought, okay, I'm going to look into like a live training class where I can go in person. So first I got trained under Nova Lash. And I really took off after that because then I got some skills and learned some technique by doing the training class. And then I was going to a lot of yoga classes and workout classes and stuff back then. And I would see women at these classes and I'm like, they have lash extensions on and they look way better than mine. And I want to know what brand that is. Mm -hmm. And so I would very softly and kindly go up to some (laughs) of these women and I would say, hey, I hope you don't mind my asking you this, but I'm an esthetician and I do eyelash extensions. Do you mind telling me where you get yours done? Mm -hmm. And so they would tell me. And so then I would go home and look up those places and find out what brand they were using. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, it was extreme lashes. And so then I looked up extreme lashes training classes and I'm like, well, I have to go to Chicago, but that's fine. And, you know, I went through two of their training classes, got certified And back in the day, and I don't know if it's still like this with them, but back in the day, you had to go through both their training classes to become actually officially certified. And then you could start buying all their products. You couldn't buy until you were certified. yeah. Yeah. Right. So then that upped my game as well. And so then I started doing better and better lashes. And so the better my work looked, the better I felt about myself. And then the I would start increasing my pricing too, because when you spend thousands of dollars on training, you're not going to keep charging the same amount. And I got faster at it too. So people were referring me left and right. And I mean, I got to the point where I was working seven days a week because I was still doing all this waxing. And, you know, when you find someone you like to do a bikini wax or Brazilian wax, you don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. (laughs) So then I thought, it'd be really fun to have a storefront. And so then I started looking around for space to have a storefront and have employees and the whole nine yards. So I did that. I found a space and the landlord said, oh, we'll do the build out for you. And it just gets worked into your rent, your monthly rent. And I was like, oh, I thought I had to go to like a bank and like get this loan and pay like thousands and thousands of dollars to like build out these rooms and like I was and they're like, oh no. No, you so, can yeah. tenant improvements. It's, it's called you, TI. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. negotiate. Yeah. That. I want to go back real quick to get a little bit more time. You oh sure. You, you first uh didn't like it. And you're like, ah, not for me. But you you decide to keep going from that point and till this point. Increased. How much time has gone by since you first started trying through your CD ROM to where you were yes. ready to get a storefront? Two years. Now, one yeah. other question that I have, because it's interesting, a lot of people when they start doing something they don't like, they just move on. But you didn't. So what was it? What was it that got you intrigued to say, Well, I don't like this, but for some reason I'm gonna keep going? I mean, that's kind of an unusual thing for people to do. I'm stubborn and (laughs) nobody else I knew was offering this service in town. I'm sure people were, I just wasn't aware of it. 
And so I wanted to offer something that barely anybody else was offering. You saw opportunity. You saw, wow, the market is kind of lean here. I could jump in and be the first to market, which means you'll you'll be able to grow your clientele faster. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I like about your story and what you shared is that you're doing the yoga and you're observing other people's work and you're thinking that's there's something I could learn from here and you're pursuing that. So it's like this inquisitive mind observation you're watching and you're thinking and stubborn which i actually think is a great yeah, quality in this humble. case stubborn is really good because you gotta be one of those people that says i'm not gonna take no for an answer yeah and being <laughs> yeah. able to say like huh i would love to learn those skills and and to pursue that so that's a tenacity that i, I admire and i think it served you and again you. yeah that is true because a lot of people just do one training and they're done and you kind of felt like, well, I see something that's lacking. And you kind of went. And these are all the big companies. Again, Nova, Extreme, back in the old days, those were the Mont, the Borbelettas and the bigger companies. So it's you were going to the top dogs at the time right. uh, who were teaching. At the time, so yeah. That was that's really <laughs> yeah. cool. So, all right. So now you're getting ready. You've learned this whole idea of tenant improvements, set up your shop and all that. So what happens after that? So I move into my space. And I made sure that now no one taught me this, so I don't know where I got this from, but I made sure that I could afford working in that space if it's just me. Yeah. Smart. And I didn't have any other employees or anybody else helping me out. So that stress was not hanging over me. Mm. Do you think that's because of your financial background with the mortgages and understanding of yeah. basic? That people would know, buy homes that they can't afford yeah, like in 2008. Definitely. So understanding <laughs> the very basic economics, like how to read yeah. a profit and loss sheet, that kind of stuff. You, uh, you worst case that. scenario, it's like, hey, if no one works for me, I can still pay my rent and get by. Absolutely. And I didn't want to be that person. <laughs> good, good thing. <laughs> yeah. So I started hiring people mainly to wax. I wanted waxing specialists because I was not comfortable hiring lash artists yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd only been doing it for a little over two years and I could train somebody on waxing and feel very confident that they could do it by themselves. And when you're waxing, you have to have the door shut. Like I can't be watching how they're doing, you know? (laughs) By the way, let me give you um, kudos for that because that's a smart thing. I've seen... And I've heard nightmare stories where owners take over businesses, lash businesses, and they don't understand the service at all. And so there's no way to do QA. They can't tell you quality, quality assurance. assurance. They can't tell if the product is, or what is happening in the room is good quality. And we even faced that. I remember we were thinking about going into the PMU world, and Tusney was going to take a training. And she says, I'm not going to hire someone to do PMU. Even though I don't do that as a profession, I'm not going to hire someone underneath me and hope that the work is good. I need to know that the work is good. And then that way we can guarantee it because we always guaranteed all our work. And I think you need to at least have the basic knowledge of something. I think it's really a bad idea to get into business and you don't know your service. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, and I you're think, managing other people. And you're managing people and you're putting expectations. Yeah. Like I hear this all the time from people who work a lot of times with chains. Like, oh, the owner says I my appointments have to now be one hour long. Now and, there have to be 45 minutes. Or that, now, now there have to be 45. And they're like, wait a minute, I can barely do an hour and a half. And now you just cut a half hour off because the owner doesn't understand lashes. They don't do lashes. So they're not empathetic or sympathetic in any way. So they just look at their books and go, okay, I need to make more money. Do this now. And I think that's really a, a bad way to run a, a business. So it, it kudos right. to you, this, again, to see that, kind of understand that. Yeah. And I also understood that starting out waxing, 
it might take longer than when I did yeah. a waxing service. Yeah. So I would book out accordingly, add an extra 15 minutes so that they had enough time to, to complete that yeah. service and do it well. Unfortunately, little did I know some people weren't doing a very good job and we would get a phone call mm. and I would have to refund money <laughs> and all the things. And part of where things kind of went downhill for me was I'm a people pleaser and I don't like conflict. Although I put myself in situations where I had to have a tough conversation with mm. an employee and let them go after already having two or three conversations prior to that. So it really, really wore on me and I got really tired and I got really frustrated and I feel bad for those last few employees I had at the end because I don't think I was easy to work for. <laughs> and I know a few of them left pretty upset with me, but I was tired and I was trying to do all of these things and I wasn't really familiar with truly managing a team. Yeah. I only had a small amount of retail experience back in my early 20s where I was an assistant manager at a Pier 1 store, but that's nothing. Mm -hmm. So then I decided, well, maybe I'll switch to booth rent. Actually, can we go back real quick? Before I, you I hit on something so, so important, and I'd love yeah. to dive yeah. deeper well, into yeah, this. You, you go ahead. A lot of us have stars in our eyes and thinking, I'll really arrive when I have a staff. And you said it, you're a people person, you really care. You would bend over backwards to take care of a client. And so, so if something didn't happen right in the room, you're going to take responsibility for it. And then realizing, oh, it's the employee, the way that they're doing it is an issue. But it means coaching them. It means going back and, and confronting either bad behavior or an issue. And that, if you're not the right personality, I have the same issue. Um, it's hard to do. And it's like you get worn out and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, right? And my point is you learned that's not your forte and that's not something that you want to dive deep on and learn as opposed to the lashes, right? You know what you like and you know what you're good at. And even what I laud you about is that you're even humble enough to say, I feel bad for those employees that I had at the end because you knew what you weren't giving them. Right. And I think that's interesting because I look at today, like Tess was saying, I think a lot of people feel like the, the crowning achievement is either becoming a salon owner or a trainer or a product line. And while I think 80% of our industry works solo, almost every time I ask a surveyor, I say, hey, how many people want to have staff? Almost everyone raises their hands. Everyone wants to have staff. But I think most lash arts I've seen, or many of these beauty professionals, are people pleasers. That's why we go yeah. in this industry, right? We love making people feel good about themselves. We love them opening their eyes and go, oh my gosh, I feel so beautiful. I feel so nice. And we sing. Our heart sings when we see that. And so there's this real desire to make others happy. Well, being a manager is almost the exact opposite. Of, of course, you want big people happy, but you're also, your job is to protect the company and hold people accountable and hold everyone to a high standard because some people over time slack. They just kind of right. back off. They take it a little easy. And you have to address that. Like, so I'm going to ask you this question. When you had to talk to this employee, you eventually had to, to let her go, but you had to talk to her like twice, three times. What was that process like for you? Yeah. I guess, yeah, emotionally what was it like, but also what did you actually do when you had to sit down and have that difficult conversation? At the time... My mom was trying to be retired, so she helped me out at my front desk a little bit, mm -hmm. just, you know, a couple days a week. 
And she's been a manager in her career for years. And I asked her for advice on, well, how do you have this conversation? Mm. And so she always coached me on, you know, when you start out a conversation like this, you always point out what they're doing right first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you get into, okay, what's the issue? This is what we need to work on. How can we make this better? Do I need to help you? And get that resolved. And then point out again, thank you so much for doing these things right. We're going to work on this. And this is our game plan. Mm. So I always had notes and I always told them I made notes. Don't mind if I look at them (laughs) (laughs) because when anxiety flares up, I I get tongue tied and I don't know what I'm talking about. So I have to make notes when I'm in a situation like that. So I did really well with that. But then my follow up was poor and (laughs) like in what way? Yeah. Well, because then I would just get sucked back into my treatment room and I was working so many hours, taking so many clients, trying to do all the things and do payroll and take care of insurance and pay the bills and order the supplies. I was doing all of these things and I just expected that, well, I had this conversation. She's going to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. But I learned over time that, well, that's not what happens (laughs) and I can't change people and I can't make them have my same work ethic or or values or yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I just got frustrated after having to do that over and over again. And I just decided, okay, this isn't for me. I put my hands up, I surrender. I'm not going to have employees anymore. And so then I had to have the talk with the employees I had left telling them that I'm going to switch to booth rent by this date. I'm going to have a contract in place. I always had a business attorney or two on the side. Mm-hmm to talk about things with. So let me know by this date if you're on board or not. Yeah. So I ended up with only one person. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, throughout all of this, I was also eyeballing another space in the shopping center where I was, where I could have multiple booth renters and I could have hairstylists and nail texts and and all the things. And I was already looking up, okay, well, how do you do this without a front desk person? Mm. And so I got a system. I don't remember what it's called now, but it's like a virtual receptionist. Mm -hmm. But I did have an assistant working for me at that time too, because one of the things that I'm not good at and that I hate is bookkeeping and QuickBooks. Mm And yeah, no, you don't, don't put that on my plate and we'll get done. (laughs) So anyway, so I, I contacted my landlord about this space and we went back and forth and I said no twice. And then they came back to me and said, well, will you do it for this price per month? And I finally gave in and said, okay, yeah, because I had this idea in my mind of, oh, I can help so many more people and they're not going to be my employees and I can guide them and help them and all these things. Well, which by the way, I want to give a, a props for that because this is the part with salon owners that I don't see bragged about enough. You said you wanted to help people. And that's the heart of so many entrepreneurs I know 
They're just doing this because they want to help people. They're not doing it because I'm going to become a trillionaire and screw a bunch of people and stomp on the little guy till I'm laughing with all the money in my bank account. That's not why no. we get into this. It's there's, no. But to be honest, the money's not that good. <laughs> so it's not like... No. It, For the amount not, of work no. and the things that you have to carry, it's like having two full-time jobs. Yeah. You described it yourself. You were like, I'm behind the treatment room. I'm running the business. I'm taking care of the bills. And, and you take care of all the clients. But yeah. then you realize, oh my gosh, the leadership that I need to pour into them is another full-time job yeah right and it's just too much yeah Yeah, that's great i'm glad i mean your heart there i I see it on your sleeve and i think that's one of them pointed out because i think a lot of people don't know that about salon owners or about people who run run businesses that this is what drives us right absolutely it totally drives me how did it work out with the um the new location i guess yeah very poorly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So with this new space, I was getting an allowance for the build out again, but I did have to find my own contractors. Mm. So not only was I doing everything I just talked about. Now, in addition to that, I was trying to find contractors and showing them the space and, and telling them out. what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And then I met with an architect and a designer and all these people. Now, that part was fun for me. I love mm-hmm. that part. It's creative, um, right? Because you get the Super dream. creative. Yeah. Yes. So it got built out. It took a little over a year. And the happy day finally comes and we move everything down there. And it's just down the parking lot. It's not far. At this point, the one employee that I had that was going booth rent, and she had been booth rent for maybe four or five months before we moved, she was quitting. So then I found a new employee to take over all the waxing. So she was my waxing employee. And then we trying to weed out my waxing people over to her. I knew her well. I still know her well. We went to aesthetic school together. Mm -hmm. And so then I was going to just focus on lashes. Throughout all of this, I started the lash spot as well. So then we had the waxing spot and the lash spot as two entities under the bigger entity of spa suites on 116th the street it was on. So I had three businesses going and I found one person, she was a lash stylist. She still is to rent one of my 12 rooms I built out, but I was so in over my head that I had no time left to find people to rent these other rooms for me. So I got in there with one renter, (laughs) one booth renter. And then I had my assistant that worked part-time for me, whom I still love and I still do her lashes. And then uh, my waxing employee and then me. And mind you, this is in Carmel, Indiana, where rent is really high. And it was like three times what I was paying before. Yeah. Yeah. But... I think I was only in there for three months and I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? And so I tried and tried and tried. And I reached out to all these hairstyles I knew and showed these rooms and you know all these things and nobody was taking them. And then I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to cut the rent in half. <laughs> so I cut wow. the rent in half just so I would, I, was, I would have barely broken even, no. probably wouldn't have broken even actually. Yeah. So that didn't work. Then I decide, I mean, I just woke up one day and was like, okay, God, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. Just give me a sign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just decided that I was 
trying to do things that were not in my wheelhouse and that were not congruent and didn't resonate with me. And that my main goal is to help people and to help them feel better and to help mentor people. Well, if nobody wanted to come to me for that and I couldn't fill these rooms, then I needed to leave. I didn't know how to do that. So I sought out an attorney. Thank goodness. She's a little spitfire. She's amazing. <laughs> I met with her and she basically said, cause I told her I'm done. I need to get out before I'm completely broke and on the street. Right. <laughs> so she guided me into something that really went against everything I believe in, which is stop paying your bills. Oh. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? I can't stop paying my bills. She said, no, I need you to be behind on your bills because you might need to file bankruptcy. And I was like, oh no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she said, well, I don't know if this is what's going to happen or not, but you need to stop paying your bills right now. And I was like, <laughs> so then we moved forward and made plans to exit the building and exit my space basically. So then I had to sit down and talk to each of my people, all the ladies I had with me. They all understood. They were very sympathetic and everything and told them I would find them a space and don't worry, I'll help you, you know, on your journey from here and all these things. So, so the landlord would contact me and I was advised to not answer or respond or anything. So my attorney that just let me know when they contact you. So, okay, great. So she finally was able to have a couple conversations with them and negotiate me out of that lease. That lease was five years long wow. and I had only been there eight months. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So Did it she work? luckily negotiated me out of it for only $6,500. Mm. Now you guys, my monthly rent was 4,500. So that's only $2,000 more than one month rent. Oh my gosh. So, wow. That's amazing. Whoever handled that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that could have been you. tens so, of thousands yeah. of dollars they could have come oh, after you goodness. for. Oh my goodness, Emery, what a blessing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to file bankruptcy. I scooted you. out of that. A good lawyer. It sounded <laughs> like the landlord probably said, oh, I'm just going to cut my losses here. It was empathetic enough that they... And to understand not to go after you. Yeah. Well, I had been renting from them for almost four years. Oh, so. Okay. so you had a relationship yeah. and all that, so they weren't just... Well, I don't know about that because they were going through a reorganization and new ownership at the time of this whole negotiation. So I'm not sure what was going on behind the scenes, but... Maybe they had their own problems going on. They're like, you know what? We don't care. Just get out of our way. We have other things to yeah. deal with right now. <laughs> yeah. Pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So that's had to be, I mean, obviously a relief when you got out of it, but also heartbreaking because... There's two attempts now to do a form of a salon and two attempts for you to feel like you came up missing a little bit. How did you feel personally? How did you work through that? Because obviously that's got to be, there's some probably hurt there. I would assume that must have felt very disappointing. It was horrible. Now, part of it was this huge relief of, oh my gosh, I got out from under that yeah. and I only had to pay that much. And oh my gosh, my life can be normal still. And because wow. Didn't you say to yourself at the start of realizing you got to get out was that you want to do what's in your wheelhouse, right? Right. That was a relief. But then moving forward, I started realizing I wasn't totally consciously aware of it right away. But over a year or so, I started realizing how much that 
what I considered a failure was affecting my confidence as a lash artist. Oh, okay. And when you're on Instagram and all these things, and I was comparing myself to all these people because I didn't have anything. I wasn't managing people. I wasn't, you know, doing all those things. It was just me in a little 10 by 10 room with my clients. So I got really down on myself. And eventually I started seeing a therapist again Mm -hmm. and I would bring up this whole, and then I had to shut my business down. And then, you know, she's like, let's talk about that because I really think that's just like a big thing that's really affecting you right now. And so I've done a lot of work through that, but when COVID hit and then After we were able to open back up, I only had maybe 40% of my clients come back. Yeah, That didn't help me either because I was still in this headspace of failure, failure, failure. I'm not good. I'm not good. And so then I took it personally, even though it wasn't my fault that COVID happened, I took it personally that not everyone was coming back and getting lashes. Well, they were probably not comfortable. There was a lot of fear. And then I got to the point where I couldn't afford the old studio I was renting. So long story short, I ended up at home taking a job with a mortgage company. Here I go again. (laughs) And we were all working at home. So it was very isolating and it was more of a support role instead of actual sales. But still, that wore on me. And I was like, I want to poke my eyeballs out again. Mm -hmm. And I missed my people. I think only three weeks went by and I started contacting my clients saying, have you gone anywhere else yet? Did you go to so-and-so that I referred you to? And they're like, no, why are you doing them again? Can I come see you? (laughs) And so I said, well, yeah, if you don't mind coming to my apartment, I can do them here for you for now. And did they jump at it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they jumped at it and then that started building up more. And then I was only at the mortgage job for four months and I was like, okay, Three I'm times so sorry. <laughs> this, yeah. I miss everything I was, I just put aside and I want to do it again. And, you know, it's been great working with you guys and, you know, blah, blah. So they all understood that. So then I started going crazy working at home and I was like, I need a studio again. So I rented a space, which is in the building where I am now. I'm just in a different studio now than I was because I took on a mentor. I don't know what it's called. Um, yes. I started training someone that was sent to me who had been doing lashes for a year and just really needed some more guidance. So we met once a week for a while And then she started using my other studio when I wasn't in there. And then eventually we're like, you know, let's look for a room where we can both share it. So that's where we are now. So we have one big studio. It's got a room and a door in between us. And I'm still around. You know, I'm not really training her still, but I'm still like mentoring her. So I love, love, love doing that. Because I'm not responsible for her. But you can help her, which is what you like doing. And I can help her. And that's what I love to do. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your journey. Because I know that parts of it have been really hard. And you've sensed a sense of failure. 
Which, by the way, we totally empathize with you on that one because we I know closed we had to close our account. We had to file bankruptcy. We had to do all that stuff. It does take a toll on you because you do feel like a failure. But the thing is, is it's the journey, right? And what I see is that you're working in your strengths right now. Well, I think this is can be super valuable to our listeners. Is that I just want to bring up the fact that you felt like a failure because you built your ideas of success. They weren't unique to you. You thought, oh, I'm going to have a salon. I'm going to I'm gonna have a storefront. I'm going to have all these people. And then, you know, and that didn't That's work. a mark of success. You know, oh, okay, now I'm going to do booth rental and I'm just going to have all these people and, and that didn't work. You know, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to have to do it at home. I'm going to have to, but that worked and being solo worked. And so I want to encourage people. You might think I'm not a real lash artist because I work from home. I do lash on my mother's couch or in my father's basement or something like that. Yeah. That is a legit business. And especially if you are busy and you're growing, I mean, clients love what you're doing. You're doing something right. It doesn't have to look like everybody else's version of success. You don't have to be dripping with, you know, in a bikini on Instagram with gorgeous food around you just to say that you've made it right. Which is what I do all the time. If you look at my private page. Yeah. your bikini. Uh Me and my bikini and food covering my body. That's other people's version (laughs) of success. I better check that out. Yeah. 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 I'm not telling anyone where to find it. It's a secret. Burn your eyeballs, man. (laughs) I just thank you for being vulnerable. And I know that you're in a, in a better place right now and you're in your wheelhouse. It's like you're happy with doing your own thing and mentoring. And it's a, a journey of just self-discovery, right? I mean, this is just learning where your strengths or weaknesses are. Yeah, it really is. When we're younger, we have these ideas and these plans in our heads and we think, oh, that's what it's going to be like. And then it's going to be like this. And then it's going to be like that. And I strived for certain things and I have learned so much along the way. And I definitely am a stronger person because of it. But the road doesn't always just go straight (laughs) and it doesn't go up. And honestly, I don't think that I would have handled a big, successful, huge salon or spa. I don't think I'm the right person for that. I wouldn't have handled that well. I'm challenged with anxiety and depression and things like that, that I I do self-care on and I see a therapist for and all that. But I really don't think that would have been, been in your will a good thing for me yeah. so Enrique, what would you say to your younger self that had all you know you you found some success w- with lashing and you're like i know th- my next thing is this knowing what you know about yourself now and knowing what you need to take care of yourself to manage the anxiety and to be kind to yourself what would you say to your younger self who was about to embark on some kind of journey I would suggest that she have spoken to someone who has been there, done that, or is doing that, and to find out exactly what all that type of a salon or spa entails and what you're going to have to sacrifice or compromise on and what boundaries you're going to need to set. I had no boundaries back then. Yeah. (laughs) And just sitting down and learning more about yourself and doing more self-discovery which has been a long journey for me. And I'm so thankful for all the things that I've learned through all of this, but it was hard. Yeah. And so if I could, if I could save somebody from all of that, or at least a little bit of it, 
then, hey, call me, <laughs> you know, yeah, text me, yeah. send me an email. I will talk to you and tell you all about it. But then again, I, I also don't want to keep somebody from their big dream. And sometimes you just have to let people do what they want to do. And because I'm so stubborn, no one stopped me. And I could embellish and talk anybody into my idea and telling them, this is going to be so amazing. It's great. And, da, da, da. and they're like, yeah, you know, do it. But I never stopped to ask myself, do I really want to do all this that you have to do? Am I really even good at that? And I've taken multiple personality tests and all these things, but it was after I shut down spa suites. And so I highly suggest going to see somebody who can review those with you and take all of them, take them all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always trying to learn more about my personality and what is good for me and what's not and where my limitations are. I don't want to admit it, but I have a lot more limitations yeah. than I thought. Right. It's also just like becoming aware of that, right? Yeah. Just being aware of it. Yeah. And sometimes I can step out of that. Obviously, through the holiday season, I do because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. But then I know I might be crying for a few days because right. I'm beyond where I need to go with this, you know, yeah. or I need to take a week off in January yeah, just so care. I can sit around in my jammies yeah. and not do anything. So I know now what those are. Now yeah. I don't always abide by it, but then I get stung and I'm like, oh shoot. Okay, that's why. There you go again. That's why I set those rules. You apply for that mortgage job again. You're like, that's right. No. I don't like mortgage. I just, <laughs> I, I want to say one thing about that. I'm so proud of you that even though you were completely beat down, you know, you go back to, you know, live with your dad and you still kept pursuing what was best for you. I mean, even though you're yeah. muddling through it and you didn't give up and you reached yeah. out when you knew you needed help and i know that there are some people that are listening that might be in exactly that same oh i'm not some there are people who are there exactly are beaten down are. and broken yeah. and what would you say to her or him what would you say to somebody who has gotten slapped a couple times and is in a down place you know doubting themselves thinking you know i i'm gonna have to go back to either being homeless or you know doing mortgages again what would you say to that person that was one and the same and, <laughs> homeless <laughs> or mortgage. you know pretty what much. i mean pretty much <laughs> i would say to those people that no matter how bad you think it might get, it's never that bad. It's always better than you think. And it's always better than it feels, even though, you know, it might feel awful and stuff, but I've just never been totally homeless. And there's always people out there that are willing to help and you don't know, and they're probably right in front of your face and you don't know that. So just trusting that there are people out there to help you get out of these situations and it's not the end of the world. Now, yes, you're, you're going to deal with the feeling of failure mm -hmm. and, and all that, but they're just feelings yeah. and they're not facts. I always say feelings are deceptive. Like they just, yeah. they, they just are visitors that leave, come and that go. Leave. Come and go. They yeah. haunt you for a spell, but they don't define who you are. No. And I can let that, failure part of me come in, but then I'm like, oh no, you're old news. Go away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you are living proof that you can bounce back. Absolutely. And yeah. that's a beautiful thing because I think a lot of people 
sometimes they back out of something because they get one failure and they say, well, I guess that disqualifies me from the game. Like, I have to go do something totally different. They get so stung that I, they're like, I can't, I can't get it together again. Yeah, I'm not allowed to play this game. I'm a fraud now. Yeah. I'm a fake. And it's like, no, no, no. You're just like everyone else because I guarantee you, Almost everyone that you see currently on Instagram doing it has had major failures, too. Everybody successful has. Absolutely. It's just part of life. It's just part of the the rough world that we live in. You get beat up once in a while. But the ones that you really, we see celebrated are the ones who get up after that failure and continue to push through it. And that's what you've done, which I, I think is a beautiful thing. Thank you. Yeah. I am so proud of you. And I'm just so thankful that you're willing to share your story with our listeners. And Well, thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Yeah. And so so people can actually reach out to you. I'm sure there's some people right now who are going through similar times and would love a word of encouragement. Um, where can people find you or reach out to you like on Instagram and all that? My Instagram page is prestige underscore lash underscore studio. And they can direct message me there. I also have a Facebook page. It's Prestige Lash Studio. Or they can send me an email at prestigelashbeauty at gmail.com. Cool. I know Emory is really a sweetheart and generous person. And so I'm, I know that she will respond to you if you have any of those things. Reach out. Otherwise, just follow her anyways and watch her lash retention journey too now. <laughs> so, yes, it's awesome. Yeah. And that all said, it's been a pleasure to have you on and get to hear all this. Actually, really, it's actually quite uplifting, even though I know it's probably – uh, hard for some people to like, oh, yeah, it's making me feel sad. But I know I was at times because I could connect. There were moments like I'm reflecting on our history and the things that we've gone through. I'm like, oh, I, I know those feelings. I know that pain. Well, just to end on a happier note so we don't leave everyone depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a solo studio now. I love it. I love my clients. And I'm also now embarking on a new product line that I'm creating Um, Me and my girlfriend are joining forces to create a business. And it's something that I'm passionate about as well, which is clean, non-toxic body care and clean, non-toxic candles. So that's my creative side. I have to say that she brought some to um, the class and I scooped a couple of them up because I have sensitivities and uh, we can't do soy candles at home because... Our son can't breathe. These candles are made like for, I'll, I'll let you tell them, but, but we've enjoyed them. Like, what are they made of? <laughs> They're made of a um, coconut apricot blend wax. So there's no soy whatsoever. I know tons of people that are allergic to soy. And then we make sure that we buy only clean, non-toxic fragrance oils to put in them. And then instead of the cotton wick, we use a wood burning wick that crackle a little bit. Yeah, those are nice. Sounds like a fire. Yeah. Well, we'll have to follow you on your journey for that because I know that you've got some cool things in the works and, and it'll be great for our community. In fact, so. what we could do is make sure you send me, uh, actually when we're done with your email me, your contact information. I'll put that in the show notes so that people right now who are listening okay. can go in and click on those links and check it out. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you, Emery, for everything. It's been a gift you've given to our industry. I know a lot of people will be encouraged, and hopefully thank you. we'll reach out to you. I'm sure hopefully a few people will who need that little extra love and care. And otherwise, guys, thanks or thanks so much for a great for sharing great all this. Great conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Emery. Thank you. It's been great seeing you guys. I appreciate it.
Hey guys, that's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my last Jujubee, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Anne-Marie, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. 